Welcome to the Mystic Access Podcast, where the magic is in learning. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the September 22nd, 2020 episode of the Mystic Access Podcast. She's Kim. He's Chris. And that was a mouthful, so I'm glad I got it out. I'm glad you did, too. We're going to talk about a couple of things. Some deal with the past and the future and bringing devices together to have fun and... (laughs) I'm glad you know what you're talking about, because even I am going, what is he talking about? So I guess we will find out together. I guess we will. (laughs) First, though, a couple of quick announcements, which involve the pre-orders. They are not up yet. We apologize for that. I will get them up and get them into the podcast. We've had a crazy couple weeks since the last podcast, and they simply have not gotten done yet. One of the things that we always try and do when we put a pre-order up on the website is include a syllabus so that you will know exactly what you are getting in the course of that pre-order. And so when a syllabus isn't up yet, I don't really feel good about it. I want you guys to have more information than you would without a syllabus. So one of the things that we're attempting to get done in the next couple weeks is to get everything ready to go and the syllabus done for all the different pre-orders and get everything up on the site. So if it's not there, keep looking. And again, as I mentioned in the last episode, we will be putting a newsletter out to let y'all know when these things are up on the website. So we're going to get it up ASAP. Just know that. And if you didn't catch last episode, we are going to be having tutorials on both the QBrail from HIMS and, even bigger news, a Windows 10 tutorial, which has been asked about for years. So that is going to happen, and we just need to make sure we have the syllabus done so we can get it up on the website for you so you'll know whether or not it may be useful to you. So those will be coming soon. And if you didn't listen to the last episode, go back and listen to the last episode because it's fun. It is fun. Another short reminder about our Orbit class. Now, the Orbit class is a thing. and It is happening. (laughs) Yes, and we are still taking orders for it, which is great. Yeah, so just because the September 15th quote-unquote deadline has passed does not mean you can't order your copy. So please, if you want to join or you know someone who does, send them to the website or have them give us a call. Yeah, and it is in the shop under the events category. category. So you should be able to... Where is the Orbit pre-order? It's there. It's under events because it's going to be an event. So that is why it's under events. Our final announcement is about our September free class. Yes, we are having one. We promise. And we apologize for the lateness of announcing it, but you will understand why we are late in announcing it when you hear what it is. We're going to be talking about iOS 14 and Watch OS 7 and some of the things to look out for, some new things that you may want to consider, some new features. We'll probably be doing a demo or two for you as well. That will be our Thursday class, Come One, Come All. If you are interested in iOS or watchOS, we'll be talking to you more about these items on Thursday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And this is Thursday the 24th, so September 24th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And as usual, you can join us by being part of our events list. I'll be sending it out Monday or perhaps the day the podcast comes out, which is Tuesday the 22nd. So stay tuned. We'll get you the joining information for class. And we apologize for the late, but of course, we were waiting and waiting for the Apple event because we thought, are we going to be able to do this in September? And as it turns out, we can. 
So we just need to get brushed up on iOS 14. Well, Chris had a little advantage on me because he's been playing with the betas. I need to get more brushed up on iOS 14 and watchOS 7, and hopefully we can share some insights with you on Thursday night. You know what's kind of cool about the new watchOS 7? What? It's got hand-washing mode. Have you gotten that to work yet? Have you played with it? I saw it in the beta, but I never turned it on, and now I can't seem to find it. Oh, good. Right. So it might be somewhere hidden, or it might not be on my specific watch. I don't know. I'll look a little bit more before Thursday, of course, and we shall see. The other neat thing is that you can connect a Braille display to your watch. That's pretty cool. It is cool. And another neat thing, we're not going to let it all out of the bag, but... If you're a fan of the rotor, there's a rotor on the watch now. Yes, so those are just a few tasty tidbits to get you curious about all the goodies that are coming up. So if you are waiting to update to either 14 or 7, or you're not quite sure, why should I care, or you're feeling a little intimidated by the whole thing, come join us and we will talk to you about it. Now, let's talk a little bit about mailboxes. Okay. They were in the past, and they're also in the present, and we assume for a while at least they'll be in the future. Is that what you were alluding to earlier? No. No? Okay. Well, sort of, but no. It's not. All right. Okay, mailboxes. There are things where your mail is placed. They are, yes. So, in the last couple of episodes, we talked about mailbox alert systems. Yeah, I think that was in the last episode, so you can catch that. I had talked about, I had purchased two of them. One was the one that we had the IRA agents assistance with, and that was the one that would text and email you. There's another one that sends you notifications on your phone. So when your mailbox opens, you get a notification that you have mail. This one's pretty cool because, one, you could do it without any tools. So you don't have to drill any holes into your mailbox. It's basically the little sensor goes out into the mailbox, and you can attach it via Velcro onto the door. So it's a motion-activated thing. When the door is closed, it's obviously not sending any signals to your little receiver that's inside your house. When the door opens, however... That's kind of when the magic happens. So your mailbox sends an alert to this little box that's sitting in your house, and it can play one of a dozen or more little time sounds or songs that we will demonstrate or we will actually put in a little insert in because it's going to be a little hard to actually record where this thing is. So that will be dropped in. But what it looks like is a little square, and it's got a USB port, a full-size SD card slot, and it has a couple of buttons. There's three buttons on the one side. There's a volume up, a volume down, and a sound. So that's how you change your sound. So if you don't want it to play a certain song that's included on it, you can press the music button until you find which sound you want, and it is then programmed. Now, you might be asking yourself, why a SD card slot or a thumb drive? Well, it's because you can take an MP3, put it on either one of those devices, and have the MP3 play when you get mail instead of one of their built-in chimes. On the top, you have a touch panel, if you will. It's the whole thing. 
And that will allow you to reset the mailbox so that if you have this set up on multiple devices for multiple family members, then the family member knows that your mail has been picked up. So it kind of resets the mail. It sends a notification to all devices when you receive your mail and reset your mail. This connects to your Wi-Fi so that you can receive those notifications on your phone and there is an app. Now the app is pretty accessible. It's pretty easy to use. I'm going to show you that in a minute. For all intents and purposes, that's what this little device is. It's a mailbox alert system that connects to your Wi-Fi and sends you notifications when you are not at home. It sends them when you're at home as well. Have you noticed any issues with this and motion detection that was not, in fact, a mailbox opening? Because I'm wondering, like in my mailbox, for instance, it's down at the end of the road. So you have to do a little bit of a hike to get to it. And it's outdoors. And if we have a big storm and the wind blows significantly or something like that, if that would cause a motion detection that was not, in fact, a mailbox opening. It probably would not. And I say probably would not because I've played with this in my hand and if you move it from side to side it doesn't seem to generate the motion detection it's only when you move it up and down when you move the device so if the device is vertical and then goes horizontal that's when it does its thing if you have it vertical which would be when the door would be closed and then move it slightly it doesn't seem to generate anything well that's good to know I had some issues with my network trying to get this device working on my network, and I was in contact with the developer of the product. He told me a bunch of things to try, and nothing worked, and nothing worked, and nothing worked, and I don't know what actually got it to work, but I woke up one morning. It was probably rebelling against me. It didn't want anything to do with me because one morning it just worked. I set it up like I was supposed to. It connected and everybody was happy. So I don't exactly know what the issue was. The other weird issue that I had with it and it corrected itself as well is the fact that the time was about 12 hours off. So if I open the mailbox at 12 noon, for example, it would say 0005, so it would be like 12.05, but it would think it was in the morning and not in the afternoon. So if it was September 25th, 2020 at 11.55 a.m., it wanted to think that the date was September 24th at 11.55 p.m. So it was kind of weird. It was off by 12 hours. But again, that was one of those things that after a couple of days or so, it did correct itself. So now it is completely working as I would expect it to work. What would you tell people who are considering buying it who are now concerned about that? There is a sync time option in the settings. It doesn't seem to be a button or anything like that. And I did press that and then I put it away. So it must have synced the time. It must have done that. And that was kind of what the developer had said too. He said, sometimes if you have another device, hit that sync time option from the other device. It was kind of weird. He didn't really know what the issue was on that sync time, but it did synchronize itself. It did fix itself. I was ready to send the thing back, and then it started to work. What would you tell people about the Wi-Fi issue? 
that I have a crazy Wi-Fi network. I have. Well, we kind of know that. <laughs> no one will be surprised uh, to hear that if they've listened to us for any length of time. I have a main network and a guest network. I put it on the guest network. Again, it was one of those weird things where it literally did work. And I worked with it before putting it down for probably three days straight, resetting my thing turning off the satellites, turning on the satellites. I really wanted to see this one work because I really liked this one. It's one of those things that if you are home and you don't have your internet, you're still going to get the notification because you're going to get the alert from the box itself. You're not going to get it from your phone, but you're going to get it from the box. Where the other one, if you don't have internet in your home, you're not going to get the text message or the email because that one completely relies on being on the internet. So you won't come through your data. Right, because there is no data. You'd have to connect to something, one of those Wi-Fi hotspots to get the other one to work. Or this one, you know, if you're not connected, big deal. It does chime. You're not going to get the notification when you're outside of the house, for example. But you will get it if you don't have internet, if that makes complete sense. This one is called SAM. By the way, that stands for something. Smart alert for mail. Cool. That's what it stands for. We'll link to the website for you in the show notes so you can visit. They actually have really good documentation. Alex is the name of the developer. He's a college student. And yes, he, is. he actually does a really good job keeping this thing up to date with what you need to do. And he gives clear instructions in English. So you'll be able to actually read them and find out what you're supposed to do. You can definitely check it out and read the manual if you wish to try before you buy, as it were. When I was at my last end before it actually started working, I did contact Alex. And I have this whole chain of emails going back and forth with him which poor we, alex yeah poor alex is right i said okay well what are we gonna do and he goes well i'll send you a shipping label to return the old one and give you your money back for a full refund so i said well i really want an exchange unit i want to see if it's some hardware issue with the device or if it's me he said okay so he sent me another device while that thing was in transit, I'm telling you, this one didn't want to be replaced or something <laughs> because while that thing was in transit, it only took a couple of days to get here. The other one decided that it wanted to work. How funny. So I took the label, I opened the package, the outer box, and grabbed the label, put it back on the box, and put it back in the mail and sent it back to Alex. And this was the replacement unit, not the original one. I so still you didn't have even open one. the right. replacement unit? unopened he can sell it he can sell it to somebody else because it wasn't literally it wasn't even touched so how far does one need to be from their mailbox for this thing to work they say 150 feet so if you're in my situation it probably won't work for you right because there's two things you have to consider the first thing is you have to be on your wi-fi so that little indoor receiver has to be on your wi-fi network and the little thing that goes inside of the mailbox needs to be i think that's where you need to be 150 feet from that between those two devices between the thing that goes on the mailbox and the, the receiver you plug in the yes okay yes so your internet has to be in there somewhere so if you don't have good internet reception close to your mailbox you know you want to make sure that that little receiver is somewhere in the middle of your house the important thing to remember about the difference between the two mailbox alert systems that Chris has talked about in the last two episodes is this. The first mailbox alert system, which is put out by a company called MySpool, M-Y-S-P-O-O-L, 
is one piece. It's strictly one piece that goes into your mailbox. And it has a piece that goes on the door and a piece that goes in the mailbox. And those two things touch. And when they are not in contact, then this little device tells your Wi-Fi, hey, these things aren't in contact. And you are able to then receive texts and emails telling you you've received mail or that your mailbox has been opened. The difference with SAM is the only piece that uses your Wi-Fi, unlike the MySpool alert, is the receiver. The transmitter, which is the piece that lives in your mailbox, does not use Wi-Fi at all. The receiver is on your Wi-Fi so that when the transmitter shows activity such as the mailbox door being open, the receiver then receives that activity and then sends a push notification to your phone. So the receiver's on the Wi-Fi. The transmitter is connected to the receiver, but not to your Wi-Fi itself. So the MySpool device uses Wi-Fi exclusively. The SAM device has the transmitter and the receiver connected to one another and the receiver using your Wi-Fi. And it makes those little chimes and sends push notifications. So that's how they're different. So I asked Chris which of these two devices he thought I should use. And he suggested the MySpool device. Because remember, I live in a rural area. This is why he suggested I use the MySpool. Because your mailbox is getting your Wi-Fi. The other one sits on your Wi-Fi. It's not connecting to anything else. Let's say you had a mansion, okay? (laughs) And your mailbox was a mile away. But your internet is so powerful that it blankets your mailbox. Your mailbox could be a mile away. As long as it's on your Wi-Fi network, that one would work. Where this one, you've only got that 150 feet or 200 feet between that receiver and the little thing that goes into your mailbox. If your mailbox was a mile away, for example, that would not be a good fit. It wouldn't work. So that's why I would suggest the other one in your situation. You could get a piece of Velcro and put that in your mailbox, maybe at the back of your mailbox or something, and then you could connect the things to your door so that your mailbox opens. You get the alert, it's connected to your Wi-Fi, and it would send your signal to wherever you happen to be. So the difference in the two is that the one that sends you text messages doesn't rely on having to have an extra piece inside of your house or a connection inside of your house. It relies on being on your internet. But you had a lot of trouble with the other one. I had trouble with the other one because Amazon sent me, instead of a new one, they sent me one that was already used and configured to a network. That was the problem I had. If I had actually gotten a new one instead of getting a used one when I paid for a new one, then everything would have been fine. And that's what the tech support rep at my spool said. So instead of us playing around with an IRA agent, because that is a little tricky, when you're talking to somebody on a phone and then you're talking to an IRA agent on another phone, it can be a little tricky because people don't know who you're talking to when you're trying to talk to somebody. So instead of us dealing with that and trying to find a reset button and all this other stuff, the support rep at my spool said, okay, I have a solution and we're going to do this, which was they configured my Wi-Fi at the factory and sent me another one. So all I had to do was power it up. The problem that I had with the other one 
was that in shipment, the battery popped out. When I was struggling with it originally to turn it on, it was because the battery had popped out during shipment. And once me and the IRA agent, Christy, figured that out, it worked beautiful. So let's break here and put in an insert and show you some of the really cool sounds that Sam plays. They really are very pretty. So here I am in front of the SAM receiver and along the one edge, you've got a round button and you've got your longer button and the longer button on the left side is your volume down. And then on the right side is your volume up. And it's one big long button. So the other little rounder button is what's used to change the sound. And that sound that you just heard is not the default sound that comes up when you power it on. If I remember correctly, it was some kind of Adams Family rendition or something like that. So let's just press this little round button and we're going to get a sample of the sounds. And we are back to the one that I like. Now, always remember, you've got your slot for your full-sized SD card and or a thumb drive. So you can put one MP3 on either one of those and that will play instead of the built-in sounds. Now that we've done that, let's take a look at the app. Open Sam. Add. We are in the SAM main screen, if you will. So we have an add button. That's to add another SAM device or to add your original SAM device. Now I'm gonna flick to the right and we're gonna see what we have. Date, time, event. Flick to the right again. September 19, 20, 717 AM, mailbox activity. Mailbox activity, okay. You know what that tells me? That you that hadn't opened your mailbox at seven o'clock in the morning? I did, but what it also tells me, I didn't reset my mailbox. Like I was talking about, you reset it so that people know that 
okay, this here tells me that on a regular normal day <laughs> that somebody opened the mailbox and left mail in it. So I'm going to flick to the right again. September 18, 20, 6.31 p.m. Mailbox reset. So if I do that again. September 18, 20, 1.55 p.m. Mailbox activity. So that tells me it took me five hours to go out and once the mail is dropped off, reset it. Now we're not going to You have to go out there to reset it? No. You can't reset that, it from the app? Okay. I can. So the mail person drops off the mail. If I reset it, it's kind of silly because I have to go out and get the mail. That's what I meant, though. After you go get your mail. Yes, you reset it. Except you haven't. I have not. Right. So the 7 in the morning on September 19th, I have not reset my mailbox. So how do we reset your mailbox? Okay. So what we'll do is we'll go to the bottom of the screen. No more records. No more records. I kind of got lucky. If I flick to the left, I'm going to see my oldest record. Now, if I flick to the right, mailbox open button, it says mailbox opened button. Okay. If I double tap this button, mailbox close. Very easy. Very easy. Now, I just reset my mailbox. If I go up to the top of the screen, Saturday, September 19th, status bar item, date, time, event. So there's our header. September 19, 20, 12, 20 p.m. Mailbox reset. There we go. The other thing that you can do instead of even looking at the app, you can, remember how I said that the top of the receiver is a whole touch panel? Yes. You could just walk by it and touch it and it'll reset the mailbox and it will send an alert to all of your devices that are connected that your mailbox has been reset. So it's very cool actually. Now let's go down to settings. And this is where the app is a little strange. And I've even told Alex about it. No more records. Is this available for iOS and Android or just iOS? It is available for iOS and Android. Android has a lot of unlabeled buttons, which I brought to Alex's attention. The iOS app, the buttons, some of them are labeled a little weird, but you can figure it out. And I'll show you what I mean in a second. So we've got no more records. And if I flick to the right... Mailbox close button. We've got the fact that our mailbox is closed or it's been reset. So if I flick to the right again. S set button, button. That's your settings button. That's what I said. It's a little funky, weird. It's not labeled properly. If I flick to the right again. Reset mail. It says reset mail. Settings. And settings. And if I flick to the right again. Settings. That's the bottom of your screen. So if I go back up to that weird labeled settings button. Reset mail. S set button. Button. And double tap. Sam. Device ID. So there's my device ID that tells me the serial number of my device, my Sam. If I flick to the right. Change password. Sam password. Button. So that's the button for change password. So you do need an account on the SAM website to work with SAM? No, you do not. The password is for the device itself. It's like a router. You know how your router has a default password? This has a default password so that when you set it up, it's going to prompt you for the default password so that you can sign in to the device itself. So, so you're signing in the device and your Wi-Fi at the same time? or in Yes, the same... you're connecting to your Wi-Fi when you do the setup. You're connecting to your Wi-Fi. 
once it finds your Wi-Fi and connects to it, then it's going to prompt you to sign into the device. And then you use admin as the password. So it's like any router with one of those silly default passwords. So you really should change the password of your SAM. So there's absolutely no account that's used on a website in order to use this device. It's just the password of the device itself. Push notifications. So there's push notifications. Sam notify open button. Sam notify open. Exactly. Erase alert log. There's that's erase handy. alert. Yep, but watch this. Sam clean log button. It's called Sam clean log. Nice. So I can double tap this button and it's going to clean that log. Maybe I don't care about entries from two months ago, <laughs> you know, just to make things a little bit tidy. Sam to Wi-Fi connection status. Sam Wi-Fi 3 button. So you need to click on the button and not the descriptive text. Exactly correct. Of, okay. Right. So this really is no button. It's a button, but it doesn't do anything. But it's giving you the status of your Wi-Fi. It's telling me that it's three bars instead of four bars of Wi-Fi. Sam to cloud connection status. So there's Sam to cloud connection status. That's the little receiver to its cloud. Its thing that sends out the push notifications. Sam cloud yes button. And it says yes. If I wasn't connected to Sam cloud, if I decided to unplug my router, for example, it would say no. Sync time. There's the little sync time that I was talking about. There is no button for this. It's just that. Change Wi-Fi network. And there's change Wi-Fi network, but watch this. Pair transmitter with receiver. So if I were to, there's no button there, but if you double tap change Wi-Fi network, it's going to allow you to move it to a different network. So for example, if I didn't want it on my guest network, I would put it on my main network or take it to someone's house, connect it to their network. You can put it on their mailbox. And it's pretty simple, actually. Like I said, it's basically two-sided Velcro, a couple pieces of Velcro. You put one on the little transmitter thing that's outside in your mailbox. You put the other piece on the door and you just slap it on. There's no tools required. It's nice. Child dev button. Delete device. If you wanted to delete Sam and get rid of it, that's the button that you would press. And if I flick to the right, Sam delete dev button. It says delete. So that's how you would delete your device if you didn't want Sam anymore on your phone. So it's pretty easy to figure out, even with the weird button names, what the buttons do. Version 1.0. That's the version of the app. Version 1.0. And that's it. So I'm going to go back because I want to show you what it looks like to add a device. I'm not going to actually do it, but I am going to show you. Date, time, event. So there's our main screen. Now I'm going to flick to the left and I'm going to find that add button. Add button. Add. We'll double tap that. Add. Back button. So there's a back button. Sam back. Button. Back. Add device. Connect Sam to home Wi-Fi. Button. So I can connect Sam to my home Wi-Fi. Scan QR code. Button. I can scan the QR code to add the device to my phone or add another device to my phone. So if I already have one SAM receiver on my network, which I do, if I had kept that other package that Alex had sent me, I could just scan the QR code of that second device and it would configure that second device to my Wi-Fi network and all that stuff so you wouldn't have to do anything else. It's smart enough to get it from the other device. Now, if you can't scan the QR code for whatever reason, search for SAM receiver button. 
I can search for an existing SAM receiver on my Wi-Fi network. So you can add an additional receiver these two ways. So let's go back to add to your Wi-Fi network. Connect SAM to home Wi-Fi button. I'll double tap this. Smart link button. So there's two options. There's smart link and there is AP mode button. AP mode. We learned now, something smart... important when Chris was attempting to set this up. Smart link does not always work. Exactly. And he says that smart link does not always work. Yes. What you do, which I found kind of interesting. Again, I was doing this for like two days straight. So I kind of got a feel for how this works. If you use smart link, what you do is you go into smart link and it's already connected to your Wi-Fi network because it's connected via your phone. And then it asks you for your Wi-Fi password. Like all these things really do. Okay. What you do is you press and hold the touch sensor of the receiver, which is actually an envelope. It's an envelope icon. So you press and hold that until it changes to a different color. Now, what's this we're always saying about changing to different colors? We don't know. So if you press and hold it and count to about seven, it will change the color. So you can try your smart link. If that one doesn't work, then you would go to AP mode. So you'd use the other one. And in order to do that, you would press and hold the touch sensor or the envelope for seven seconds, release, and then you would press and hold the touch sensor for another seven seconds. And what that will do is that will make one of those fake Screen networks damn. that you would use to connect like an Amazon Echo or any of these Internet of Things devices. And then you would go to your Wi-Fi network on your phone. You would find the SAM network. You would connect to it. You would go back to the app and continue on with your merry way. So not having vision, I was able to figure out how long to press and hold the receiver for. And that's pretty much what SAM is. So let's talk a little bit about other items that you can get to make your life a little bit easier. And this okay. is what, I, yeah, and this is what I was talking about, merging the past with the present or future. Do you remember back in the 80s, maybe not, about <laughs> cordless phones? Um, I'm not that young. I certainly remember cordless phones. Awesome. Thank you very much. Good deal. So you have a cordless phone, and that was all the rage when they first came out. It was all the rage, and they had this certain Hertz hum. All of them. Oh, they sounded awful. They were so bad. And you could only walk, like, from one room to the next. It was terrible. Yeah, and if you turned your head wrong, you'd hear... Yeah, don't blink, or your phone won't work. Exactly. They've gotten better over the years. They certainly and have. Yeah, and what they have now, and they've had this for quite a while, and I'm a little bit late to the party, but I was looking for a new cordless phone because my cordless phones, for whatever, they stopped working. They don't work right anymore. I was looking for a new cordless phone, and I found this technology. It's called Link to Cell technology. And what you do is you connect your cell phone to your cordless phone. And now you can place and receive calls on your cordless phone. And people are probably thinking, okay, so what, right? I've got my cell phone. Who cares? But there's a couple of advantages to this link to cell technology, at least the way that I see it. So the cordless phone that I got was a Panasonic. 
Well, it is a Panasonic, and it has four handsets. So you can have a handset upstairs, downstairs, in the office, in kids' bedroom. You got four, five, six. I think you can pair up to six handsets. So your base is a corded base? My base is a cordless base. Okay, so it counts as one of your four handsets. It counts as one of your handsets, correct, yes. So what happens is this specific model of phone has two AA batteries that go into the phone, which is really nice because they're just standard replaceable batteries that you can use if your battery dies. You know these cordless phones you get and all of them have specific battery packs. Oh, like mine? Yeah. And you never know the model number to have to get them to replace them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what this one will do is this cordless phone will connect to both a landline slash VoIP service or your cell phone. This particular phone will connect to two cell phones, actually. So you can have his and her cell phones if you want. The advantages to that are if your cell phone rings and it's close enough to your base, you can answer the cell phone on any of these cordless phone extensions, which is very cool. The other thing is, let's say that you have a VoIP service and you lose internet. Your VoIP service is now gone. You can still use the cordless phone sets with your cell phone. So when your phone rings, your cell phone rings, it's going to ring on all of your handsets, which is really cool. The other cool thing that it does is, It will play the ring of your phone on the handset, and the handset will also announce caller ID. If a person is not in your contacts on the phone itself, on the cordless phone of the Panasonic, it will announce the number of the incoming call. Sometimes they'll say wireless caller, and you got about 15 friends that are wireless callers, and that's really useful. Not really. But if the person's not in your contacts, like if Kim was to call me from her cell phone, it would announce her cell phone number because she's not in the contacts of the Panasonic itself. And that's done through a menu structure, yes? It is, and it's not really accessible. You would need sighted assistance to go in and play with that kind of stuff. The other thing that this phone has, which I thought was kind of cool, is you can block calls. So let's say you get a telemarketer, you get somebody you don't want to talk to. You can hit this a button. This is election season. You might be getting it, a lot. <laughs> it is. So you can hit a button on the cordless phone handset, and then you would hit another button to answer either yes or no. So you have to know you hit one button, then you hit another button. The good thing is those buttons aren't next to each other. So you're not going to put the phone in your pocket and block somebody by mistake. The phone will ring if that person decides to call you back. It will ring once until it gets caller ID. Now, some phones I've seen have this thing where when the phone rings, it prompts you for a number or a series of numbers or a keystroke. This particular phone does not have that option. I thought that it did, but it does not. But one thing that it does do that is kind of cool is that if you press a button on the handset, I'm going to try this and let's hope that this works. What time is it? It's 12.44 p.m. If you could hear that, I hope you can. That was actually Siri on my phone coming. And there's my phone to announce its presence. (laughs) So I could actually use Siri commands on my handset for this specific phone. So play a song on your phone. I think your phone's close enough for them to hear it. And let's see if we can hear the music start. Okay. Here's the cordless phone. The cordless phone. We got it. Okay. Pounding on. Okay, good. (laughs) Now I'm going to hit this button. You're starting to turn into me with boxes. 
Play music. Playing all songs. And I think she said playing all songs. And it's playing songs. It's playing music. You can definitely hear the music. 56, so here's the music coming out of my phone. That's kind of cool that you can actually control your phone. I could use the Siri commands to call Kim if I wanted to or call somebody through my cell phone. I can actually use the handset itself. There's a cell button. So what you would do is you would press the cell button then you would dial the number that you want to call, and then you press send or talk or whatever the button's called above one, your standard send the call dial keystroke that you'd use on any other phone. And that will actually make the call over your cell phone. So I don't have to be near my cell phone. If I was upstairs and my cell phone was downstairs charging and it was close enough to this base unit, I can both place and receive cell phone calls or landline calls. If my landline was down for whatever reason, my VoIP service was down, I could pick up one of these handsets and I could place and receive phone calls on my cell phone. I'm not one of these people who carry the cell phone around everywhere like Kim is, but I do carry it around if I'm reading books and I know Kim does too. I don't, I don't think you just walk out of your room and pick up your cell phone and carry it around if you're not. I do here. sometimes. You do? Oh, I oh, do. You're one. Okay, well, you're one of those. <laughs> I turned into one of those people. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway. Chris is older than me, so, you know, it's a gap thing. No, I don't think it's a gap thing. If I need the phone for some reason, I will carry it around, but I just won't go pick it up to carry it around. I don't think about it. I just pick it up. It's sitting there. I just grab it. What if someone calls me? What if I need to change? Okay. What if someone What if someone calls you and you had one of these phones? Who cares? Well, the one thing that we experimented with this morning that was kind of an interesting thing is the volume of the calls when answering a cell call through the landline. Right. It was a little bit louder on your end, I think, than you would like it. So you called right back on the landline phone. And that worked fine. And but again, it also depended on the position of what, where your cell phone was, the cell I think. cell phone was, yeah, I think so. That was kind of an interesting thing. So as Chris was moving his cell, it changed how loud the call was on my end when we were talking through the landline. So just kind of a weird, interesting thing. Right, but if I'm talking to you on one of these handsets, I'm not going to be carrying around my phone. It's going to be sitting in one place. That's right, but it was lady. sitting in one place when we were experimenting with it. We were just moving it from one place to another to see what that volume did. It's like well, it's I trying picked, to compensate right, if it's too far right, away. I, right, I picked it up. I think you're right. It was trying to compensate because when we were playing with it earlier today, the phone was on its charger, which is about two rooms away from the base of the Panasonic. You didn't think it was going to work, and you said, call me on my cell, and I did, and it worked. And it worked, yes. But you said you were getting kind of a popping, cracking popcorn sound. I was, but it was two rooms away. Right. But to answer your question, you're like, what if somebody calls? Well, if somebody calls, you just grab one of your handsets in your kitchen or wherever you have one of these cordless phone handsets, and you answer your phone. It is very handy, and tell us about the... Caller ID. So the caller ID, we're going to do another insert because it won't record very well. And the caller ID does speak. So it's talking caller ID. It's actually bilingual caller ID. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. I think it's actually English and Spanish, if I remember correctly. So I don't know an ounce of Spanish. 
so I won't even change mine to Spanish. But I believe it's English and Spanish. And it sounds a little bit more human than our AT&T phones that we bought years ago. I mean, it's still text-to-speech, of course, but it does sound a little more human, which is really neat. I think, if I remember this correctly, the caller ID plays on all the phones. Can you turn it off on specific handsets, or does it play on all your phones, the talking caller ID? To my understanding, you can turn it off on some handsets. But it has to be on at least one? I believe so, yes. At least that's what one of the reviewers said on Amazon, which sometimes those people can't be trusted. Yeah, they sometimes were... people get a little <clears throat> upset about certain features and then they go off. Exactly, yeah. So this person was upset because you couldn't turn the talking caller ID off on all ends? That was my understanding at least, yes. So now I'm going to show you what it sounds like when the phone rings and what the caller ID sounds like. Call from Mystic Access. Call from Mystic Access. So, you must have heard the old familiar Clasco talking caller ID that's also connected, but you heard the phone handset announce Mystic Access, and that's the caller ID that I wanted you to hear. Another thing that could be helpful for some people is, and maybe you can show this, every time you press a button, it makes a sound. My mother used to have an old Uniden that did the same thing. Every time you pressed a button, it made a sound. It beeped. It does. So let's see if we can hear this. So there's your button sounds. And I just hit clear because <laughs> I don't know what I typed. <laughs> I don't want it to accidentally call somebody in a couple of hours if you hit the talk button. Yeah, that would be unfortunate. It does have an answering machine, so if you don't it have does. voicemail, you can set up the answering machine. The other thing that it does, which is really cool, and Panasonic's have done this for a long time, is when you put it on the charger, any of these little bases to charge the batteries, it beeps when it hits contact. Some phones, you put in their charger and you don't realize that they're charging. Half on the charger, half off the charger. Right. These ones, you get a distinct beep to let you know that it has, in fact, hit the charger. That is a cool thing. I've never had a phone that did that, so that is kind of nice. I wonder how long, do you remember how long talk time is per phone? I don't. I want to say it was about 10 to 12 hours. It was That's pretty, good. pretty much. It would last all day for sure. It does not have a headset jack, and I don't believe you can connect a Bluetooth headset to the phone. Although I thought I saw that in the manual. The manual is completely accessible. It is a PDF, but you can read it. So you go to Amazon to get that? You could do a search for it online if you know the model number. And we'll put the model number and a link to this specific phone if you're interested in the show notes. And remember this... that we will receive a small commission should you order from our link because it's an affiliate link. Right. This phone, for four handsets, the base, and three remote handset-based things, if you will, was about $86 with tax. So that's quite good. They had a five-handset one that was not too much more than that, but I didn't need five handsets. I really don't even need four. So I got an extra handset that I'll keep, obviously, of course. The other thing to keep in mind, too, is the $86, it was renewed. 
<laughs> renewed. Also known as refurbished. And it was totally renewed. I mean, when I got the thing, it was not in a box. It was not in packaging. It was just all of the components that were basically laying on a piece of cardboard and then they were <laughs> plastic together. You know, they had a plastic sleeve around the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And that was how I received, you know, besides the outer packaging, a shipping box, of course, but there was no actual Panasonic box. But so far, I've had this for about 24 hours or so, and it's been working fine. I have no issue with paying for a box that I'm going to throw away anyways, so it didn't really make sense to me. You know? Did it come with batteries for your handsets? Yes, so it came nice. with eight batteries, two for each handset. Do you know if it has a mute button? I don't think it does. So that could be a showstopper for you, perhaps? It might. There are three buttons on the bottom. Do you remember what they were? Let me see. One is block, one is the Siri button. I don't see anything that says mute in the stuff I wrote down. So aside from the mute button not being there, which we think, based on what we know and what we've written down and all these things, that there is no mute button, there are a couple other caveats to know about the phone. One is it does not work with a blind shell. So if you want to use a blind shell as a sale, one of your two, it won't work. I tried multiple times this morning to connect to blind shell. It did see the phone. It did see the Panasonic in its list of things. But when I went to pair, it tried to pair it and it said paired failed or unable to pair or whatever the message was. But it did not work with the blind shell. At least I could not get it to work with the blind shell. Tell them about your pairing experience overall, though, because it has a cool feature that works really well for accessibility. It does. And I think Panasonics are pretty accessible with the beeps and stuff that they do. Putting it on a charger and having it beep or pressing each button and having it beep, that's kind of accessible. On the base, you have a couple of buttons. On the left side, you have cell one. And on the right side, you have cell two. And the rest of the buttons pretty much deal with turning on and off the answering machine and playing with the answering machine messages. But in the manual, it says, press and hold until the something flashes or whatever. And I'm thinking, okay, fine, it's going to flash and we're just going to hold it for X amount of seconds and hope and pray like we sometimes do. So I pressed and held cell one to connect my iPhone to the cell one spot. And what happened was about five seconds later, as I was holding it, it beeped. So I released the button and then it had a continuous beep until it finally decided to time out. And it's in pairing mode for, I want to say, five minutes or so. And then it'll do a quick couple beeps to let you know that the pairing has ended. So it was a completely accessible way to pair your phone. Because obviously, you press and hold that button, it puts the phone, the Panasonic, into pairing mode. And then you go into your settings on your smartphone or your phone, your Bluetooth settings, and you see the Panasonic in the list. You double tap it, connects to it, and everybody's happy. The nice thing about it, too, is that your voiceover does not disappear or anything like that. So once it was connected, I could just use the iPhone as I would normally use my iPhone. I could care less right now that it is connected to the Panasonic. Well, not really care less, but I just know that I don't have to worry about it. 
The funny thing was, though, when Kim called me earlier today on my cell phone and I answered using the Panasonic handset, I could talk to her and I could also play with my iPhone while I was talking to her. VoiceOver's voice and all the sound effects came out through the earpiece of the Panasonic handset. So it's treating the Panasonic as if it was a headset. At least that's what it looks like to me. But it only was activated when you were on the call, which was nice. A lot of times when you get these phones, you have to register the handsets with the base. Is that the case with this one? No. All the handsets came registered to the base. And normally when you buy the phones and the phones are included, I've bought a number of cordless phones over the years, so I can speak from experience. (laughs) When you buy the cordless phones, whatever handsets are in the box are registered. The ones that you buy extra, So let's say somebody sends you a phone for a Christmas present and the handset originally only comes with two external cordless phone handsets and the phone itself can take maybe six. So the person who buys it for you as a birthday present decides to buy you two or three more handsets so that you can have a handset all over the place. Those extra handsets you would have to register to the base, but the one or two or three that came in the actual box of the cordless phone, you don't have to register. At least that's been my experience with Panasonic's, AT&T's, Unidins, VTEX. I've had my share of cordless phones, so yes. <laughs> I think the registration process is easier than it used to be. Yeah, it's usually just pressing and holding a button and pressing and holding a button on the handset and the two talk to each other or putting the handset on the charger and lifting it up or something. Yeah. The only other thing you want to remember with this phone, like with a lot of others, is that a lot of the stuff we haven't talked about, like contacts and things like that, are menu-driven. Also, the fact that if you do block somebody, and somehow you did it and you weren't thinking clearly, and you want to get them out of your block list, you're probably going to require some assistance to do it. That's correct. It can be done. I did it with Ira yesterday because Kim decided to call me and I was mad at her. (laughs) And I said, you are getting blocked. And I blocked her. And I said, don't ever call me again. (laughs) And she called back. It rang once and hung up on her. It doesn't even give you a message. No, you don't get a message. You don't get a voicemail. You don't get a busy. You just go ring, click. Gone. Yeah. Gone. So I had to call an Ira agent to assist in removing that number from the block list. That's kind of hard, actually, because <laughs> you're holding one phone with one hand, aiming it at a little screen with the other hand, and then you're trying to navigate the phone as the person's reading what's on the screen. That's hard. And the agent actually made the comment about how difficult it is to see those little screens, too. Yes. Because she's having to try and look at them and figure out what you actually want to show her and do all these things. Move the camera to the right. Move the phone up. Which phone? Which phone? phone? And then at one point she was laughing at you because she's like, no, not that phone. The other phone. The other phone. I was like, (laughs) oh, yeah, well, okay. (laughs) Not that phone. But it is a nice little phone from what Chris said. You also found that it was smaller than you expected. Yeah, the base itself is very small. So yeah, not a big they, footprint to have to worry no, about? No, not at all. I just wanted to tell you about this type of device in case you're like me and we're late to the party and didn't know something like that exists. But I really do like it. I like the fact that the cell phone is connected to it. If I lose internet for whatever reason... Wi-Fi goes down, router goes down, and I lose my VoIP service, then I still can use this phone with my cell phone. 
And of course, if you are interested in lowering your phone bill in the course of every month, we have a couple of tutorials available to you on phone services that we use. I use one, he uses the other now for our home phone services. And it really does pay to have a home phone service in addition to your cell phone service, especially if it's cheap and affordable like ours are, especially when you're doing two-factor authentication. Woo! Really does pay to have that extra phone there. So we do have tutorials on the ViaTalk and VoIPO phone VoIP services available on the website and you can check those out and we're talking less than $190 a year for phone service for each of these services. Right. If you sign up, it's $190 for two years. So you're talking about a significant savings. I think it's like around $7 a month you're paying for your phone service. When it adds up, yeah. When you put in all your taxes and fees and everything, it's virtually nothing. You're paying about 10 12 bucks a month maximum with everything. I got my parents on Viatalk about five years ago, and they were paying about $60 a month or more for very basic phone service. And so they've saved a fortune using the services, and they get tons more bells and whistles than they got before. And the nice thing is that VoIPO does this constantly, and ViaTalk has done this as well. And what they'll do is they'll send out periodic emails that say, if you want to add service to your existing plan, we'll give you the two-year promotion instead of the one-year. So usually what it is, I think VoIPO is about $150 a year, or for two years for the first time. And then once your two years are up, it's $150 per year. But what they've been doing and what ViaTalk does is they will actually say, okay, you can get two years for the price of one. So when you add that to your service, you can have phone service prepaid for several years in the future. Absolutely. I think think my mom's got her. Yeah, my mom's like 2022 or something. It's pretty crazy. So needless to say, they've been very happy with their service. It's a very nice thing. And the other thing that we can't fail to mention about both these services is accessibility. And that's what we show you in the documentation that we've created for them is that their control panels are beautifully accessible. So like Chris mentioned earlier, if you want one of those things where someone calls you and you automatically want them to enter a code in order to be able to talk to you, you can set that up. I know you can through Viatalk, and I believe you can through VoIPO as well. You cannot through VoIPO. You cannot? Oh. You cannot. But VoIPO integrates with the Nomo Robo spam service. So you can activate that. I think Nomo Robo actually does that if a spam caller comes in. I think it, if I remember correctly, because I had it on my actual landline before, and I had a phone number that Nomo Robo actually thought was a spam caller. So I called my other number to see what it would do, and I was prompted to enter a number in. It's nothing I turn on or turn off. It's just there. But via talk you can go in and you can turn this feature on so if somebody calls you they're prompted to dial a number maybe a three-digit number and that will tell via talk to let the number go through you never actually hear the phone ring because it's on the service end and if you don't want to annoy your family members and friends that call you constantly you can add them to an allow list and that will not make them enter these digits. They'll just come right through. 
it's very nice the amount of stuff you can do for your base price. You don't have to pay extra for any of this stuff. And you get an hour of international calling, which I also really like, every month for free. So yeah, you do. that kind of stuff is really nice. So some of these block features are free and they're accessible. And so that's really nice. So blocking anonymous calling, for instance, you can do for free. So there's a lot of really cool stuff. One of the things that Voipo has that Viatalk does not have is, well, there's a couple things. One is digital faxing. For $36 a year, you can get an incoming fax number and you can digitally fax something. I've actually had to use this a few times for some reason. You can actually fax things. The other thing that the service has is the ability to send and receive text messages, which is kind of neat. You log into your VoIPO control panel and you can send and receive text messages from your landline phone. So that's kind of neat. Yeah, they both have advantages. It might be worth checking them out if you're interested and you can find out more. And we really don't recommend you guys stuff that we haven't tried. These are things we use. I've used Viatalk for five years, <laughs> very happily. I think I've used Voipo for the same amount of time. I had both services at one time because the business was ran on Voipo for a while until we actually moved somewhere else for the business because Voipo didn't have some of the call transfer features and things that we really wanted as part of a business plan. So we moved the business away from Voipo. And then I had both Viatalk and Voipo at the same time. And my Viatalk was about to run out. And I had Voipo still for about a year and a half. So I said, why renew something if I still have phone service on the other line? So I let my Viatalk go. It wasn't that I was dissatisfied with it at all. It was just the fact that financially it made sense. And the other thing to note about both companies is their U.S.-based customer support. You can get a hold of a human being who can assist you and who speaks English. Yes, you That's can. That's very nice as well. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on the podcast. And we shall see you in two weeks. And we should see some of you on Thursday. Bye, everybody. Absolutely. And by the time we see you next, it will be October. Where is the year going? Ah. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone, guys. Like we are. Bye. Bye. The preceding podcast is a presentation of Mystic Access, where the magic is in learning. If you are blind or visually impaired and desire to discover how our comprehensive products and services may support and empower your assistive technology journey, we welcome your visit at www.mysticaccess.com. Have a question or wish to place an order via phone? Call us at 716-543-3323. If you have something to share about this podcast episode, press 4 to reach our Mystic Access podcast comment line. Email us at info at Connect with us on Twitter at twitter.com slash mysticaccess and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mysticaccessempower. Would you like to spread the word about our podcasts? Your friends and colleagues may listen and subscribe at www.mysticaccesspodcast.com. If you enjoy our episodes, consider leaving us an iTunes rating and review. Your comments are greatly appreciated. Thanks for spreading the word, and thanks for being a listener. We hope you enjoyed this episode.